Hello, and welcome to a special podcast from the Hoover Institution. We'll hear from James O. Ellis, Jr., an Annenberg Distinguished Visiting Fellow at Hoover. Admiral Ellis is going to introduce a new essay series from Hoover's Schultz-Stevenson Task Force on Energy Policy, entitled Reinventing Nuclear Power. Hello, I'm Jim Ellis, an Annenberg Distinguished Visiting Fellow here at the Hoover Institution, where I've been for about the last year and a half working with former Secretary of State George Schultz on energy and national security issues. On the energy side, I was fortunate enough to have a background in nuclear energy in both the military and the private sector, and uh, am now pleased to uh, be a part of that discussion at the uh, Schultz-Stevenson Energy Task Force here at the Hoover Institution. Today I'd like to talk a little bit about the background of the effort that uh, Hoover has gotten underway, and that relates to uh, nuclear power and uh, its potential and its role in the energy mix for the nation going forward. As we all know, the, uh, the energy landscape in the United States has been reshaped dramatically since the development of our nuclear power fleet. Recent innovations in horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing of shale rock have made the country the uh, Saudi Arabia of natural gas, as some term it, by reimagining re the production of resources that were once thought unexploitable. Wind and solar power dot the landscape, driven by supporting policy, but also by continuous advances in technological performance, manufacturing, and business strategy. They have evolved from science experiments to now justifying their own roles in our changing electric grids. Meanwhile, rethinking how we use our energy, from LED lighting to low heat loss windows, has dramatically improved efficiency and disrupted the curve on electricity demand. Over the past decades, nuclear power has been an affordable, reliable, and low-polluting pillar of our energy system, providing reliable baseload generation now for decades. As we look to the future, can it too be reinvented to sustain and enhance the nuclear contribution in a newly diverse and robust energy industrial landscape? That's the fundamental question. The irony is, in many ways, much of our research and development effort has been placed on renewables and things such as ethanol and their potential contributions to the energy mix. You could make a case that nuclear, as safely and as well as it has been done in the United States over the last 30 years, has not been explored in quite the same way. And the question ought to be asked, is there a potential to dramatically improve even its uh, incredible record in terms of uh, emissions-free baseload electricity generation in the United States and indeed throughout the world. We don't come down on one side or the other, but we feel we have an opportunity here, uh, given the uh, strategic pause that uh, we find ourselves in, where as shortly as, as recently as five or six years ago, we were concerned about running out of uh, fossil fuels and uh, our increasing reliance on uh, petroleum and gas uh, resources drawn from abroad, and now we find ourselves, uh, if not energy independent, certainly more energy secure. We ought to be uh, capitalizing on that, and in many ways we are, to convert coal plants to gas, to consider export potentials uh, for this as it uh, relates to our economic uh, relationships internationally, but it's also an opportunity for us to think more broadly and indeed more distantly about what a future energy policy could look like for the United States and what is the potential role for a revitalized, re-energized, and updated nuclear uh, electric generation capability as part of a more balanced portfolio. 
that's the purpose of the uh, the effort that we have underway here. It began last year at the initiatives of Secretary Schultz. It's continuing with the publication of a number of papers. Uh, the one that uh, is most recently out is uh, Call for Small Modular Reactors, a Call for Action, I guess, uh, by William J. Media, uh, Gary Vine, and Regis Matsey. We have another piece on the regulatory input coming from uh, Bill Ostendorf, a currently serving commissioner on the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And then as we get into uh, uh, the policy issues and the like, we have the potential to actually uh, uh, talk with John Hamry and others about the implications of, of the nuclear industry and the United States' role in that in our leadership of, uh, of nuclear safety and uh, counterproliferation initiatives around the world. Any addressal of nuclear power is going to need to touch on a number of things. It's going to touch on the, the real need. Is there a need for this? You know, as we now realize the, the bounty of, of natural gas that's brought to us by, uh, by hydraulic fracturing, do we need to look beyond that in the anticipation that ultimately natural gas prices could go up? What are the implications of a carbon tax, which is already being, uh, has been addressed and is being addressed more aggressively here as people hypothesize what might uh, occur after the, uh, the elections of, uh, of next year? Is there a real need to think beyond a 50% reduction, which natural gas represents in terms of emissions, to a uh, larger contribution by a source of electric generation that produces no emissions, that being, uh, being nuclear, uh, as well as, uh, obviously, uh, the historic hydroelectric and uh, solar and wind. So those are the kinds of things that are going to need to be addressed. The role of the regulators in all of this. Uh, regulation imposes a cost, uh, admittedly, for, uh, for, for benefits that uh, in many cases are, uh, are hugely important, uh, but uh, what are the implications of that for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission? Are they ready to deal with, uh, with a revitalized uh, and a new uh, technology based uh, in, the nuclear in the nuclear sector? Uh, what are the potential customers for small modular reactors or other advanced reactor designs uh, in the uh, if, you, if we want this to play out in, the, in a strictly business case in the marketplace, uh, John Rowe, the former CEO of Exelon, famously remarked that nuclear is a business, it's not a religion. Uh, nuclear has to be costed in a, uh, in a way that, uh, that competes with now the, uh, the very low price of natural gas. Clearly a, 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 a revenue-neutral carbon tax, as uh, Secretary Schultz has proposed, could be a part of leveling the playing field, and in that context, nuclear uh, could be much more competitive than in the past. So, uh, the 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 question is, what's the role of government in uh, promoting the research and development that could lead to uh, initially the first of a kind adoption of a of a new nuclear reactor capability, and then perhaps a, a broader introduction into uh, into the fleet, as indeed we. Uh, decommissioned coal plants uh, under the, uh, the the recently reduced EPA guidelines, and as we look for distributed generation as a potential to uh, to supplement uh, an aging and in some cases increasingly fragile electric grid. There's an industrial base argument, as there always is, that could be made. Uh, the large nuclear reactors of the past, and indeed the current large-scale designs, can't be produced in the United States. Small modular reactors, uh, again, a part of the new uh, potential nuclear technology, could be produced here and offer an ability to draw on uh, existing uh, infrastructure that currently supports the Navy nuclear power program. Uh, a final piece, and one that's a bit harder to get our arms around, but is uh, unarguably important, is what's the uh, 
the desired position that the U.S. wants to maintain in influencing uh, nuclear uh, expansion around the globe. We historically have been the leaders in that. We designed the, uh, the first technology, exported it under uh, the Atoms for Peace program with uh, then-President Eisenhower, and have been able to parlay that involvement and support to a huge amount of influence in the counter-proliferation regimes that have been put in place around the world. Will that importance and that influence continue if, in fact, we slowly decline and no longer produce are involved in the, uh, the production of, of nuclear reactors. Most of the reactors sold these days are internationally are, are produced abroad. The Koreans are very active in the Emirates, for example, having just sold them four and potentially four more nuclear reactors. The French continue to sell their designs internationally, as of course do the Russians, and now more recently the Chinese. Uh, while there are a couple of U.S. companies mostly uh, uh, predominantly owned by, uh, by Japanese entities that are still in the nuclear business, it's unarguable that our role has declined. Is that an important consideration going forward? How does the U.S. sustain its influence if we're no longer in the, uh, in the production of, of, uh, of nuclear resources and, uh, and nuclear reactors? And that also translates into the safety and operating standards that we, uh, we aspire to. Clearly, the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission has been the gold standard for licensing. You could make a case that the U.S. industry and its performance, uh, with the help of the Institute of Nuclear Power Operations, has brought levels of performance and safety uh, in the United States to, uh, to world-leading levels. Will that continue if, uh, as they age out, our number of nuclear reactors decline and we're no longer actively involved in the global nuclear enterprise. So in short, there's a number of issues that need to be addressed. These are the beginnings of a conversation. We have an opportunity here to begin to, to readdress and reshape as we have on a number of occasions over the recent years, but this time perhaps bringing to conclusion, uh, what do we think about a national energy policy? What do we think about an optimum portfolio? When you talk to environmentalists, thoughtful environmentalists with, with science-based background, increasingly they believe that nuclear energy, well run and well done, uh, has an essential role in meeting our uh, emissions reduction standards uh, going forward, no matter what your views are on, uh, on uh, global warming and, uh, and climate change. So this is a dialogue. We hope to continue. Uh, we have a number of uh, initiatives underway uh, to, uh, to draw in more participants. Uh, we hope that, uh, that the conversation that follows, about uh, 15 minutes with, uh, between myself and George Schultz, can prime the pump a bit and, uh, and help you understand how we're beginning to think about, uh, about nuclear, not in the ways in which it was uh, designed and built by Hyman Rickover and other industry leaders uh, four or five decades ago, but as it is today and even more importantly, as it might be in the future. We hope you enjoy the conversation. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution. For more information about our work, please visit hoover.org.